Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the podcast. This is Father Michael O'Loughlin along with Father Nathan Goble. What up? What up? We are uh, doing two of two for the day. That's right. That's right. I was a... Back-to-back jacks. Yeah. So why do you let me have the footrest? Uh, John always had the footrest. We're in a we're in a tiny room, and there's one footrest between the two of us, and I've always just taken it. I feel actually really bad right now. I actually think that we used to share it, John and I did, okay. but then he had surgery, uh, and then Stankfoot was in here, <laughs> and I would just give him as much of the room as he needed, and I would get as far away from it you as possible. Puddled yourself in the corner. That's right. Well, thank you, thank you, Father John, for uh, letting me use the footrest. There you go. If you want to share it, I'll share. I uh I was actually thinking of rearranging because um for some reason I put one of the chairs in a different room oh. and now I'm like actually that red one would be sweet down here because it's a recliner so that one person could have oh. the footrest and the other person can have the recliner but I actually think the reason why I didn't do it is because you can't recline because it's such a small room yeah one thing I'll ask you not to do is don't let me see out the window we got one window in here and my ADD is so bad that. I'd rather look at at you and the flag above your head that doesn't move around too much than be distracted by school. Oh yeah, and, when are you getting when are you getting your flag? I know. I one of my parishioners they listen to the podcast when we talk about flags and and they sent me a link to a uh, one of the two headed eagle Byzantine flags. So I just need to order it. The what the link he sent we looked kind of cheap. I want a little bit nicer one. See, I think that if we're gonna do that, then John needs to get not just the Switzerland flag. He needs to get a Czechoslovakian flag. Because okay. he's uh, mm. Czech. Okay. And then... Uh, what about for a wrap? Wrap would be Sweden. We actually talked about one. I, I forget what he said he was going to get. Sweden, if right? anything. Swedened? Sweden. Oh, Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that where his family So we're, we're really doing where we're from. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, I would have like six different flags. Yeah, I know. I would too. Just a mutt flag. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We just so you know, we do not have a Vatican flag in here, yeah, but we true. don't necessarily need a Vatican flag. But you know. we have a picture of Bill Murray dressed as an admiral, but no Vatican flag. Exactly. Yeah, and that lots g- of loons. That gets a uh, high praise from people that come and visit the studio. And so. what is this? This is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Weathertop. Ah, okay. Weathertop. Uh, that was just in a closet uh, here <laughs> at the house. I don't know who's it belo- who it belongs to. It might be Father Scott Bailey. It might be Father Rick Nackvassil. It might be Father Brady's, but somebody who lived in this house beforehand left I it see. behind. So I put it up. So if you guys are listening and you want your weather top picture back, exactly. you can't have it. It's found its home here. All, All right. right. All right. Um, so I sent out a Facebook uh, shout out last night before we went to the game and mm-hmm. uh, asked, said I wanted to do a podcast on forgiveness. Honestly, this is a topic that I've put off now for the past two podcasts I've done because I keep on thinking I'm going to do it and I don't feel like I've researched enough. And so I still don't feel like I researched enough. So this might be a multi, multi-episode one on forgiveness because nah. um, it's a big it's a big topic. And honestly, I I feel that I've never been hurt enough to really speak on forgiveness. So this this is not... I don't want to talk about it from a perspective of personal experience as much as from the way that the church and the scriptures deal with it and how that's lived out in the lives of the people I know. Hmm. So obviously give your input and, uh, and as always, we like hearing input and, and feedback from you guys. Uh, but this might be the one of the ones that I, I can learn from after you guys listen, let me know what you think and what we left out. Uh, that being said, I think, have you guys ever done a podcast on the sacrament of confession, mystery of penance as we call it? 
Um, we've done, I mean, we've done like four different podcasts on confession, okay. but like not like specifically on confession. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we kind of have little subtopics in them. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. Okay. Well, maybe we'll, I'll listen through those and see if it might be good okay. to do an update or okay. something. But, but anyway. Okay. Um, so we'll leave the mystery of penance, the, the subject of confession as a sacrament for another time. Um, but I want to start out by mentioning a Byzantine tradition we have on the, so we, we count 40 days of Lent differently than you guys do. And I've talked to you about this before, Father Nathan, but we count. So initially the Lenten time, the great fast was only one week long. Holy week was like the original Lent. People only prepared for one week. That's why the services, especially, I mean, in in our Byzantine tradition is so every week is so incredibly packed with beautiful liturgies because that's what Lent was originally. They added the, you know, the importance of the number 40 as a number symbolizing fullness. So we wanted to prepare fully for the coming of Easter, for coming of Pascha. So what happened was, is the Romans, they decided to make it 40 days for the entirety of Lent, I think excluding the Triduum. Yes. I'm still confused about that. Okay, you you guys, excluding the Triduum. So you got 40 days plus Triduum. What we did was we... In the Byzantine tradition in the East, we don't like changing much, so we added forty days to Holy Week. So See, I think we end like uh, not in Holy Week, but at the Triduum. Okay. So you get three days, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Holy Week is considered part of Lent. Okay. And then once Thursday occurs, then it's okay. Triduum. I've tried to count on the calendar and I can't figure it out. So, but that that would make more Nobody sense. It's like halfway through a day. So so you so the Romans did that, but they did not include Sundays right. as part of the count. So we in the East we do include Sundays as part of the count for forty days, but we do not count Holy Week. So what what Matt it, what how that ends up being is is that of course the Romans they begin Lent on Ash Wednesday. We begin Lent on what we call Clean Monday. So two days before Clean Roman Monday. Ash Wednesday is Clean Monday, which means you you it's strict fast, no meat, dairy, wine, or oil. You know you, you on that day. So Sunday night, which is the beginning of liturgical Clean Monday, for the Vespers service at sundown, mm-hmm. we pray what's called forgiveness vespers and this is oh i've heard about this it is amazingly beautiful it is gorgeous it is it is a beautiful vesper service followed by um what we call just the uh the ceremony of mutual forgiveness and what this is is that the priest goes in front of the people and he says good fathers brothers and sisters grant me your blessing Pardon me all the wrongs I've done this day in word or deed or thought with all of my spiritual and bodily faculties. He does a prostration before the people. The people, while he's prostrating, say, may God himself forgive you, Father, and have mercy on you. Then they say, bless us, Father, and forgive us the wrongs we have done this day in word or deed or thought with each of our spiritual and bodily faculties. They do a prostration. He says, through his grace, may God forgive you also. May he have mercy on you all. So this is the kickoff. Of Lent. This is the airing of grievances, like on <laughs> exactly. This is where Seinfeld got it from. Yeah. So, so there's it, it's this it's this mutual forgiveness that that the priest, as the father of the community, offers to the people. Asks them for forgiveness yes. first. Yes. Then he forgives them. They they ask for it back. Then that that happens every Compline service. So in in monasteries and in parishes that celebrate Compline, every single time before going to bed, the the father of the monastery will go in front of all the monks and say. Exactly that. For anything I've done 
wrong today to hurt you. Please forgive me. Then he'll do a prostration as an act of penance in in front of them. Then they'll do the exact same thing to him. You know, this is a great thing to incorporate into families. I mean, there's, you know, the structure of families to say, we've hurt each other throughout the day, you know, but this happens. This is ancient, ancient Well, even if you just did it once a year. Yeah. Once a year, that would be huge. Yeah, it would. And and I think adopting that, it's, it's, it can seem fake because it's a ritual, but it's absolutely not. Like we need to be called on to ask for forgiveness and to offer forgiveness. I mean, we, we ritualize this, of course, in the church in, in the mystery of penance in the sacramental confession. So that's there, but this is an annual thing. And the important thing is that it, it kicks off the great fast. It kicks off Lent. So what happens after that, for only, only once a year does this happen, is that every single person this varies from tradition to tradition, but every single person then comes out of the pews, or if we don't have pews, as we shouldn't, walks from where they are. They all embrace the priest, and they'll they'll say, "Forgive me, a sinner," or they'll say, "Please forgive me," and I ask you, uh, and I I forgive you. Please forgive me. The person always responds. May God forgive you, and I forgive you also. So there's a double reference, like like God forgives you. We know that, and I forgive you as well. And then you embrace, and it, it's it's this. It's this embrace. So everybody does that with the pastor, but then everybody also does it in some traditions and most traditions with each other. So like in my parish, every single person embraces everybody else, mm-hmm. tells them God forgives you, tells them I forgive you and ask for forgiveness. And while this is happening, the co- the choir or the cantor is singing the Paschal Canon. So literally, the, the, this these are the hymns of Easter. This is the, the most wonderful huh. celebratory hymns that we ever hear and so they're they're hearing hymns of easter and they're embracing each other they're asking for forgiveness they're offering forgiveness they're stating announcing god's forgiveness and they're hearing the paschal canon so if you grew up in the byzantine tradition you're used to the paschal canon being in a church you know covered in flowers with with the smell of food you know the best day of the year is is now come upon us yeah and so it's a very visceral nostalgia when you are offering and receiving forgiveness hearing that god forgives you embracing each other and you're just about to start lent i mean it is yeah. it's 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 a beautiful beautiful tradition and mm. and so as as we're doing this the the reason for that is of course because as the fathers say if we can truly forgive each other we there is no need for the great fast. Like if we were, yeah. if we were able to truly wow. mirror God in that way, because of course forgiveness is an attribute of God. Forgiveness is a divine attribute. We hear it throughout the Old Testament. You know, only God can forgive sins. We hear in the New Testament only God forgive can forgive sins. Forgiveness itself is a characteristics and, and an attribute that that is divine. You know, that there's, we need to embrace it as human beings, but before Christ died and rose and welcomed us into his divinity, forgiveness was merely a, a person-to-person thing. There, there was no, you know, in other words, if you sinned against an entire group of people, there was no way of making up for that. I mean, you, you could not go, you would have to go to every single person that you hurt, those that you didn't know you hurt, those you think you might have hurt. Anyway, it was just really confusing. When we're welcomed into the body of Christ at the death and resurrection, all of a sudden, the ability to forgive that is only God's is now passed to us who, as St. Paul says, are the body of Christ. So really, forgiveness is something that that we need to stand in absolute awe of, that we are offered what is of God to give to others. And that is why 
every single time during this ceremony, we make sure that there is some statement of God forgive you. Just like every single confession we go to, the penitent hears God forgives you. Like yeah. with their ears, they hear God forgives yes. you announced by, by someone in the church. It, it, it's it's incredibly important and, and, and very good to see. So when I sent out this this message on Facebook yesterday asking for people's experiences of forgiveness, what they'd want to hear from a podcast of forgiveness. There were two main things that come up. There was a third, but that was the sacrament. And also we'll talk about that some other time. But but yeah. the other two were the ability to forgive ourselves, which is, of course, a huge one. And then the, the <laughs> other one was how do we forgive someone that does not ask for forgiveness or doesn't even want to repent. Either they don't know mm-hmm. they did something wrong, or they're they 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 say, "I know I did something wrong, but I'm not going to ask for forgiveness." You know, we we all know these people. You know, we've probably done it ourselves. You know, so that both of these realities. Um, what what do we do in, in those cases? A rump. Hello, loon. Hmm. So if if we if we're considering, and I'll start with this, if we're considering people who hurt us who do not ask for forgiveness they certainly don't deserve forgiveness they they are are not at all repentant for what they've done what do we do in order to fulfill our our christian obligation and we'll we'll start there the obligation to forgive them like do do we need to forgive them should we forgive them how does that work well it reminds me of the story that our our friend father garonsky tells which is he was, it's either apocryphal or he actually saw it, but um, at the monastery, the um, uh, this woman was in the middle of the ceremony, you know, the, the forgiveness, okay. whatever, matins, right. lauds, whatever, vespers. Um, and uh, she came to this person that everybody knew that, you know, they didn't get along mm. and that they'd had major issues and whatever else. And the woman goes up and embraces the person and she says, I forgive you, but God will not forgive you. <laughs> so that that's it. That's part of what, in some sense, we say, which is, I forgive, but I put this down on my, you know, ledger. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you. Uh, thank <laughs> Almost. you. Almost. Uh, I forgive you, but uh, I hope that God remembers this yeah. on the day of your judgment. Yeah. And so I am I am allowing this to be kind of bygones be bygones. Right. But there is another one with eternal memory. Yeah. And may he, who is the just judge um, and not necessarily a merciful savior, uh, more, more Daniel and uh, Amos than it is, you know, Luke. Or Matthew, right? Uh, may he smite you. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's the conditional one. I will forgive you as long as God doesn't. Like as long yeah. as there is still some retribution, I will go through the motions of saying this as long as you'll still be hurt, you know, by it somehow. And that's that's obviously not true forgiveness. In 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 the if forgiveness is of God, that's obviously not not how God acts. So. To start this off, it, this is a Bishop Herman in, in St. Louis. He gave us a talk last week at the Vocation Directors Convention, then CBD oh, yeah. Convention. He gave us a talk on consolations, desolations, and it was really amazing because he, he was touching on this topic. And and what he said was that, you know, we, we feel just in saying that, do I really have to forgive someone that doesn't ask for it? Do I have to forgive someone that doesn't deserve it or or that is, is not even close to acting repentant whatsoever? He pointed out, and I haven't looked this up yet, but I believe him, that no one ever asks Jesus for forgiveness. 
Hmm. He mentions forgiveness all the time. I mean, every time he heals somebody, he says, your sins are forgiven, right? In the Our Father, right? We, we are called to, to ask for forgiveness of sins. During the, the words of institution, take ye, this is my body, I do this for the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is, the, the Bible is saturated with it. The New Testament especially is saturated with this idea. It's so important that it's of God. And yet, as he said, that, that no one ever asked Jesus for forgiveness. And hmm. so, Really, if we want to be Christ-like, if we want to participate in this forgiveness, we do the same. I mean, we, we, we cannot wait for someone to ask in order to do it because that Christ didn't do that. So to use the example of our priesthood, you and I are not priests independent of Christ. We are priests in Jesus Christ's own priesthood. Mm-hmm. This, this is the case when we're baptized, we're baptized into his death and resurrection. When a couple is married, they're married into the relationship, into the mystery of Christ in the church. So the, these sacraments, the way that we live out our Christian life, we are not living in parallel to Christ, similar to Christ, in, in, in imitation of Christ. We are rather participating in him. When you and my priesthood is the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the universal priesthood of the baptized is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So the same thing is true for forgiveness. When I love, I love with Christ's love, if it's divine love. If I forgive, I'm jumping into an already existing stream of forgiveness. Christ is already forgiving. So many people would say, and this is true for the most part, when I, if, if I'm, if I, if somebody hurts me, I can forgive them for myself because if I don't, they will continue to hurt me over and over and over again by the the hurt that I continue to feel. I continue to let that hurt affect me, and so I, I don't know who this has been attributed to. Everybody, I, I you know, I've already imagined. But there's that saying that that if we are vengeful, it's like drinking poison and expecting our enemy to die. You know, mm. what, what vengeance and a lack of forgiveness is incredibly painful. So. When we are able to forgive, what we are doing is we are participating in Christ's own forgiveness. So if you hurt me, then before I can even try to forgive you, Christ has already offered you forgiveness. So the reality of you being offered forgiveness is already there because Christ, for Christ, is immediate. You've hurt him. You've hurt me. You've hurt everybody else that is in the body of Christ, everybody else that is affected by this. So Christ has already offered you forgiveness. So, so. If I don't offer you forgiveness, then I am actually acting counter to the reality of the forgiveness already offered to you. So the problem with people, with us, when we won't forgive is that we feel that forgiving someone is going to hurt us even more. So this person hurt us by yeah. doing something. Yeah. I'm afraid that, that when I, if I forgive you, th- that my act of forgiveness is going to hurt me more in a different way, but more than you're hurted. And this is, when we when we think that way, we all do. When we do that, we are denying that forgiveness is a divine thing. We're, we're, we're denying that, that, and everything that's divine is, of course, good. So, yes, there are aspects of forgiveness that, that, that might involve more suffering. You know, it, it, it's, forgiveness is hard because it involves a bit of suffering. So, when we, when we offer someone forgiveness, we need to understand that psychologically and even really, it is helping us. We are removing the burden of the ongoing hurt by saying, you hurt me, but I am going to, even though I'm the victim here, I am going to, to forgive you so primarily so that I don't continue to stew and to sit in the harm that you've caused me. I'm not saying you didn't hurt me. I'm not saying that you deserve forgiveness. 
I'm not saying you're repenting of forgiveness, but I'm somehow removing the harm and the burden that you've caused me that I continue to dwell on, that I continue to let me hurt day after day. I forgive you for that. What we don't always, because that, that's a fine place to start, but we have to make sure that, that we see that only as a start. It is, we, we, we have to get through the, the, really the demonic thoughts that come into our heads about forgiveness will, will do more harm than it will good. That being said, stop me if I'm saying something heretical or something too, but, but, but th- th- that being said, you know, th- there is, oh man, I just spaced what I was going to say. Th- th- that being said, that, that we think that forgiveness will cause more harm than good and that we, we jump into the divine reality, uh, we need to understand that the, when we hold back forgiveness, if we refuse to forgive, there in a sense is a binding, we're bound by by that evil, by that sin, by the lack of, of jumping into the river of the reality of Christ's forgiveness being offered at all times. We, in a sense, need to say, one of the reasons why I'm so hurt by this person is because I am fighting the divine reality of the forgiveness that has already been offered to them by Christ. And if I want to forgive them, I jump into that same forgiveness that is already being offered to them. And I cannot fear that even though it might involve more suffering, it's not going to cause me more suffering than if I actually was able to forgive the person. What if, what if they're not, like you said, they're not asking for forgiveness. You know, say the other side's not asking for forgiveness, doesn't even feel like they need to ask for forgiveness. Right. Because the other person's in the wrong. And, um, yeah, and what if I'm not in a place where I think I can offer forgiveness? Like you said, it's it's just a cheap, it's just a cheap forgiveness, you know, like, oh, don't worry about it. Right. But, like, I don't actually think that. Like, I'm really upset, I'm frustrated, and I'm, I'm afraid that... Uh, if I say, yeah, I forgive you, I'm not actually meaning it, but to them, it's like, okay, great, it's over and done with. But it's not over and done with. I'm still upset. And there are two things here. We need to make sure, too, that we don't think that forgiveness means that I'm ever going to even come close to letting it happen again. That, that's one of the biggest fears. If I forgive them, I'm going to kind of let my guard down. I'm, I'm, I, I've built this wall up to protect myself from them, to protect my heart from them. And if I forgive them, that's knocking the wall down and giving them access again. Giving someone access to hurt us again is not forgiveness. It's enabling. It, it, it's literally a lack of love. If we enable someone, we, mm. we, are, we are not loving them. Like if we have a, an, an addicted family member and we, we enable them to continue in that addiction, that, that is not loving, that that's not of God. It's not, not something divine. So there, there is absolutely a sense of, if I want to participate in Christ's love of you and Christ's forgiveness of you, I cannot let, I cannot enable you to, to continue to hurt me. That, that would be, it would be hurtful to me. It'd be hurtful to you. It'd be hurtful to our, our process towards salvation. So there, there has to be a reality that, that I'm saying, you know, we say forgive and forget, and that can mean different things, but I cannot forget in the sense of I'm opening myself back up to be hurt again. Absolutely. That, that, that is harmful to everybody involved if I do that. So mm. there can still be a protecting of my heart in a way that, that does involve true forgiveness. I can truly forgive and still protect myself. So when I forgive you, even if I'm forgiving you for 
partly selfish reasons. Like I just need a break from this. And so my psychologist, my therapist told me to forgive you and it has nothing to do with you. I can hate you all I want, but I'm, I'm, I'm not letting the pain affect me every single minute of every single day. Like it has been when I, if I do that, I need to understand there is a deeper spiritual reality there as well. And as much as I might not want to think it, my forgiving you is helping you as well. You know, even if I don't want to dwell on that at the moment. And this is another point. I there are certainly times where people like like you mentioned, we're not I'm not ready to forgive. Like the the hurt is too fresh, the hurt is too hurtful. Forgiving forgiving you would would be fake at this point. You know, we. Christians understand that if forgiveness is of God, then we participate in that forgiveness through primarily through prayer. It is is by talking to God that I surrender whatever the hurt is to him. And if I tell you or you tell me if I've been really hurt and you tell me you need to pray for the person, I'm like, that is impossible right now. They're, they're, my prayer would be the most fake thing in the world. Yeah. I can't even call them to mind without, you know, just getting so furious. So that is the beauty. And I, I, my friend Leah Darrow corrected me on this the other day, and it was, it was awesome what she said. I had never thought of it before. But, but if I've often told people that when they, if they say I cannot, I cannot pray for this person right now. Absolutely not. And I say, well, then ask the mother of God to do it, right? We have saints because they can see more clear than we do. They're at the throne of God. They're in heaven. In other words, I don't need to be praying for this person right now because I can't, but I can certainly say, dear Mary, I cannot pray for this person right now. Please do it for me. Like you're an intercessor before the throne of God. You you, you love me. I know you love them. Even I don't want to think about that right now. So I am incapable of praying for them right now. I'm going to forgive them as much as I participate in the psychological reality of their hurt not hurting me every single day when I think about it. So whatever that means, I'm going to call that forgiveness. And I'm going to allow it to be, even though that can seem selfish, it's still, it can be a good thing. That's the beginning of forgiveness. You know, Mary, please pray. Well, what what my friend told me was that she said, also, talk to your spiritual father. In other words, what I, what I was I was mentioning this one person that that that's a, a spiritual directee of mine, and they're having a lot of trouble forgiving. And what she said was, you should say to them, "Well, you don't have to pray for them. I'll pray for them. <laughs> I'm your spiritual father. I will take on that role for you. We are all members of the body of Christ. Wow. We can do this for each other. So yeah. I will pray for them for you. Ask the Mother of God. Ask your your patron saint to pray for them, and and allow the the prayer for them that always involves some sort of blessing i wish good upon you that's you know when we pray for someone in that sense that's what it is we do not need to be ready and that's why we have the community of christians here on earth in heaven they can pray for us so saying that i am going to forgive because i do not want to be hurt every time i think about this great start that is just fine we need to be patient with ourselves and say that's where i start I start by either praying for the person when I can, I ask others to pray for them in the meantime, and then when I get to the point where I can say, I do, I can actually consider now in my mind without being hurt the fact that I am now over what happened because I have, in a sense, loosened the bond, the hold that they have over me. Mm-hmm. And now I can say to them, I forgive you. And that means something different now than it did six months ago. Six months ago, it literally meant I am going to to be die of despair if I continue to let this thought of what you did to me hurt me. So I'm going to use spiritual means through prayer. I'm going to use sacramental means through the church. I'm going to use psychological means through my my insistence that I don't let these dwell on these things. I'm going to let all that mean forgiveness. It does. 
And what I want to go back to is that it's just like a wedding. We, we, we did a podcast, Rap and I did a podcast on, on the Byzantine wedding ceremony. In that ceremony, the couple is crowned with the, vict- with the crowns of victory at the beginning of their marriage. They don't deserve them till the end, but they're crowned at the beginning because the reality is Christ's. The marriage that they're participating in is an already existing mm. perfect reality of Christ's marriage to us, to the church. So they're now participating in that. So why not get the crowns at the beginning, even though personally they won't deserve the crowns until the end? Yeah. So it's the same thing with forgiveness. The beginning of Lent, we offer each other forgiveness. We immediately go into 40 days or yeah. more of penance. So it, it's odd that we are hearing the Paschal Canon, we are we are offering forgiveness, we're hearing forgiveness, then we immediately go into a penitential season, and we don't see the fruits until over 40 days later when we celebrate Pascha, when we celebrate Easter. So this is the same thing with forgiveness. I can begin the process of saying, I forgive you as as much as I am capable of, but this is an ongoing thing. I'm, I'm, I'm forgiving you in the beginning to protect myself, but if somebody asked you, what is is the other person you're forgiving? Are they benefiting from this forgiveness? We would have to say yes because we are removing a spiritual reality mm-hmm. and lot like just like Abel's blood cries out in the book of Genesis, we hear that Abel's blood cries out against his his brother Cain. So there's this when you hurt me, it was a real hurt. You really did something to me. My, justice needs to be done. My blood is crying out from the ground that justice needs to be done. When I forgive you, my blood stops crying out. In other words, I am an accuser before God of you. Mm-hmm. And when I can forgive you, my accusations cease. And that is good for you. That well, it, true. Go ahead. With, uh, with baptism, that's exactly what you're talking about because there's nothing we can do to earn baptism. Yeah. So why not just receive the crown at the beginning? Yep. We don't deserve baptism until the very end. Yep. But Christ says, no, be baptized in the beginning so that you can participate already in my merits, which is already greater than anything that you can accomplish. But like, I'm asking you to do something, you know, right? Uh, not just to say, well, I'm just going to receive this gift and um, that'll carry me through. No, you actually have to work at it. Yeah, so. and, and and it's just the same thing. Christ gives himself to us completely in the Eucharist. I mentioned this before too, whether we're an infant or whether we're 99 years old. Right. Like whatever level we are in our spiritual life, as long as we are not in, in, in deadly sin, Christ offers himself to us because we're, we're capable of receiving him then and in his fullness. Now, what we do with that is up to us. And it's the same thing. Merit, any of the sacraments, he gives himself to us fully and completely. And then we put in the work of actually living out the gift we've just been given. But it doesn't mean that we're not participating in the already existing reality. So this this also affects then when I can't forgive myself. So that that's a big one too. People might go to confession. They say, God forgives me. Everybody in their life might say, oh, you hurt me immensely, but I forgive you. And yet we cannot forgive ourselves. This is another time when we need to be convicted of the fact that that when I when I when I refuse to forgive myself, and this is not a, a, a deliberate thing. This is a, a very human weakness we have of, of of not forgiving ourselves. Everybody does it. When we do that, we are we are saying Christ forgives me, but but so I am forgiven. I, I it is a, I know I'm forgiven, and yet I have trouble forgiving myself. There are two levels of that. There's a spiritual reality of us not forgiving ourselves and then there's a psychological reality of us not forgiving ourselves is the human reality merely human reality 
the, the spiritual, we have to fight that because that is always of the devil. It is of the deceiver. If we are forgiven and we, and we are, we are telling ourselves we're not, we're, we're acting in accord with the deceiver who is the devil. And so that spiritual reality can come through spiritual direction. If we can't figure ourselves spiritual direction through prayer, through, through all the things that keep us independent of the deceiver of not listening to him, of, of creating ears of faith that hear what is true and, and, and moving away from and, and not allowing the things that are untrue to enter into, into our understanding of ourselves. More often than not, though, I found is that the inability to forgive ourselves is just a very human thing. I mean, it's, it's basic. It's psychological. Well, the, um, the, that to me is a more clear description of what the sin against the Holy Spirit is. Because when, when they say, like, there is an unforgivable sin, right? it's like, well, what is the sin that I could actually possibly commit or be committing, and it's not, it's not going to be forgiven? And it's the fact that you won't allow God to forgive you for something, which is interesting because God is great, you know, like, he's almighty. If, if you really don't, if you're not able to see God as being able to forgive you for this— then you're kind of saying that God's not almighty. Right. That there is a burrito that he cannot eat. Right. So big that he can't eat or something. Yeah. So in some sense, like, we kind of get, we're, we would like to say we're such great sinners. Right. But we're not, you know, and so in part it's it's allowing God to free us from it. And I think it's, it's beautifully, um, you know, portrayed in, you know, you've seen the mission. Right. You know, with Robert De Niro and right. Jeremy Irons and everything. But, I mean, for all the, you know, difficult, you know, weird, strange, heretical, et cetera, parts of that movie. If right. you'd like it, if you don't like it, I think it's good, whatever. Um, but in the beginning, like, he, this guy has committed a sin that he can't forgive himself for. And he is not, he acknowledges that he is a horrible person and will never forgive himself. Hmm. And so he is going to carry this burden. Like, it's a sign to him, but in some sense, he loves carrying around the burden of his sin. Um, and it's it's weighing him down, and it's crushing him, and it's killing him. And the what ends up happening is he's freed from the burden by the very person that he's hurt, mm. or the very people that he's hurt. You know, it's kind of portrayed in this, in this Indian who, who goes and cuts away, like, this, these, you know these heavy objects that he's kind of carrying around how i mean how much more graphically for us to see that and see ourselves as are we unwilling to forgive ourselves and are we allowing are we not allowing somebody else who we've hurt to actually be the one to forgive us hmm. and so it's reciprocal you right. know like so when you can't see yourself as for being forgiven Think of the times in which you forgave others and see that as, no, actually this person, when I forgave him, somehow they've give, eliminated the possibility of me not being able to be forgiven. Because yeah. if it happened to them, it can happen to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And there's, when when I don't, when I am unable to, unable to forgive myself, it's important to understand, I think, both those levels. There's a spiritual level where the devil could be attacking us and convincing us we're not forgiven through the life of faith, the basic life of faith. Read your Bible, love each other, do charity, uh, receive the sacraments. That's how we cast away the deeper spiritual realities that might be holding us back. 
but acknowledgement of the human is important as well. So if I cannot forgive myself and it's it's a human psychological thing, we really do need to be patient with ourselves because we can, we can allow the condemnations of ourselves to heap upon each other. I can get mad at myself because I, I, I don't feel forgiven. Then I get mad at myself because I don't, you know, I'm not acknowledging that. I can get mad at myself on just piling, getting mad at myself one on top of the other because of this entire process. Yeah. We are human. We are weak. Like, like we will all go through the period of, of not feeling forgiven. That I mean, that's the beauty of the sacrament of confession. We walk out of there and the church has said that we've heard it from the priest. The church said, you are forgiven. So anytime we, we think that we're not you know, we we are we are either acting out of malice or or disagreement with the church and Christ, or we are just being weak human beings, which we all are. And we need, in a sense, to say, the 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 longer I live trying to understand Christ's love for me, this is the beauty of, in a sense, having a child or like nieces and nephews for me. When I, I would forgive my little nieces and nephews anything, I mean anything, I like I I want to forgive them, and 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 what I see in that is that Christ loves me more than I love them, and like He wants to forgive me, He desires nothing more than to forgive me and and to bring me into unity with Himself through that forgiveness of sin. The sin is what's keeping me mm-hmm. from Him. So th- there's Christ wants nothing more than to forgive us. So the the more I can remain in the life of the church in the grace of God, the more I'm going to kind of have it have it beaten through my thick skull that Christ does love me. And mm-hmm. the, the the more I realize that, the the easier it's gonna become. But to 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 know that I'm forgiven. But we need to be patient with ourselves and not let the devil keep on getting us you know, mad at ourselves over and over and over again, because that only leads to despair. Sometimes psychologically, we literally say, anytime the thought comes into my head that I'm not forgiven, just push it out. I need to tell myself, this is untrue. It is unreal. And the longer I'm able to do that, then the the less of a victim of my own accusations I will become. Give it time, give it prayer, receive the sacraments. It's the Christian life. Well, and if you believe, if you believe in the other sacraments, why are you not believing in this one? You know, do you believe you're actually married to the person that, do you believe that in God's sight and in some sense in man's sight that you really are joined to this person? Yeah. Why? You you can't see it. You can't really, you know, point at it, you know? And then with the blessed sacrament, with, you know, Jesus in the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. with um, your baptism, like you don't know. You know, and not to push people into like doubt where it's just like, I can't, I can't believe anything. It's like, no, that's what the devil likes to do. He likes to convince you that none of this actually happened, that you're totally alone. And it's so funny to watch people. It's either in confession or in conversations or in direction or whatever. You just have to like, it's like you're like blowing away smoke that's like clouding their vision. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, that is a temptation. I'm like, yeah. duh. But then I go through the exact same thing mm-hmm. like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So you just have to remind yourself like if I believe in these other sacraments, then I have to believe in this one. Right. Which is, uh, it's impossible and improbable and only and requires you know a lot of faith that uh, Jesus is in this host. And also that I'm forgiven. Yeah. But if I accept one, I really have to accept the other. Yeah. And with those other sacraments you mentioned, it is very important, like I love preaching at weddings, that a couple needs to be a sacrament, an icon, and an, a living, obvious reality of the love that Christ has for the church and the love that the church has for Christ. So we can we can doubt all the sacraments in the world, but we we won't do that as readily if we are actually witnesses. So if, if I'm able to tell people 
I forgive you. I mean, I, I, I told one of my friends one time, I said, this sounds absolutely horrible, but I said, you know what? I, I hope and I think I could without having the experience, you could do the worst thing to me. You could burn down my house, take steal my car, you could harm my family, all these things. And I don't know I could, but I hope with the grace of God that I could still love you. And if I can say to you, it does not matter what you do to me. With the grace of God, I can still love you. Yeah. Like people, if they believe me in that, and if if I say that enough to people, that then then why not believe Christ when he says the same thing? If I can believe a person when they say it. So in other words, say that to those you love. You know, those in your community, make sure you 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 say, I forgive you for the worst yeah. things you could ever do to me. And I, I need you to, I forgive you and I need you to forgive me. And if the, the conversations, if we become God-like and Christ-like in all the things we do in our daily life, mm. it'll be much easier for people to say, I believe that God forgives me because my mom and dad forgive me. Yep. I believe that, that God forgives me because my friend forgives me. You know, we, we need to be the witnesses of the gospel in that way and make it very obvious to those in our community, those whom we love, that this is a real reality that I'm living out. And if you're having trouble seeing that God would do that, just imagine it an infinite times greater than I'm able to offer to forgive you. But that little spark of what another human being can do for me, that might be the, the spark that is needed to ignite the fire of understanding God's attributes in the same way. And if we understand God's attributes, we'll understand that we can participate in them as humans. If we see them in humans, we can understand better that God does it. Yeah. I'm down. I'm down. Well I still played. feel that was completely inadequate, but anyway. Oh, I, I, you're, you're approaching mysteries. You're venerating mysteries. The Holy you know? Spirit will work through it. Please, Holy Spirit. All right, shout outs. Um, oh, shout out. So I talked to my friend, uh, Lori Brown, who uh, graciously forgave me when I asked. Um, I forgot to call her on her birthday. Oh. Um, her birthday is St. Clair's Day. Ah. Um, but my niece's is the day before that, I think. Um, so I think hers is... August 12th and then my niece and goddaughter Hannah's is August 11th okay like not wanting to forgive my nieces not wanting to forget my <laughs> niece's birthday right I spent so much time focusing on that that I forgot my friend Lori's uh-huh. so I, I called her she forgave me God bless you and um, I said do you have any shout outs and she said actually I do there is a book club in Chicago and his name is Frank and many times in the book club um, it gets brought up that she knows me and I know her and um, it definitely boosts her street cred. So I have to say, like, Lori Brown, you're one of the best. Um, love you, girl. And anyone who would befriend you in Chicago is a friend of mine. So. Amen. Cool. All right, mine. Uh, shout out to Joel Scott and his sad little John Deere tractor. So shout out to your sad little John Deere tractor. <laughs> and you, you too. Okay. All right, uh, Ada Aranda from Merida, Mexico. One of our international listeners. We have lots of them. I've, I've found yeah. out recently. Uh, that's on the Yucatan Peninsula. It's from the Yucatan, man. Contacted us on Facebook. Really? So shout out to Ada Aranda from Merida. Ada Mexico. from Merida? Yes. Merida. Is that how you say it? Como te quiero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were in, John and I were in Merida. Oh, there she we go. She probably knows where the seminary is and she can go and peek in the room where John would routinely take me and scream at me. Okay. And I would scream. Don't worry, it was me. I've heard, I've heard, yeah, I've heard uh, bits and pieces of these stories. Oh, yeah. And then right down from the seminary, there's a Starbucks where we would 
take refuge. So nice. Yeah. Amen. All right. Two more. Uh, shout out to John Doherty from Aaron and Flynn. Shout out to you. She wants us to give you a shout out and I'm sure loves you. So enjoy that. All right. Mark Villapondo, uh, best friend, hopefully still of Amanda Breed who asked for the shout out for you, Mark Villapondo. Thank you guys for listening. Bam. You're awesome. Keeping us going. Keep us in your prayers. All right. No, I think that's a great, I mean, we did what we could. And if we need to do a follow-up podcast, well, we might get it in before John ends up doing Love Pride. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you can forgive me later, dig, sucker. Dig. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah, I, 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 I totally, I'm not as insecure about it as I say I am, because the Holy Spirit takes over after we leave here. We turn off the computer and God continues to work. So and God continues God to work. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on the Facebook and look at us on uh, other forms of media. Anything else? God bless you guys. Okay, yes. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Jog or drive safe, whatever you're doing right now.